folks, it is the Knickknack Podcast, Season 8, Episode 12, and I'm calling this one Reboot, because I'm trying to reboot my brain, essentially. And I'm doing this in a variety of ways, uh, all of which I will hopefully explain in this episode. And, uh, well... I'll do that in a moment. In the meantime, listen to the wonderfulness of Raindrop Rhapsody by Josh Uppenberry. Podsafe music. I love it. Alright, so let's start this out um, where I started with my weekend. Uh, Dragon Age 3 has recently come out uh, for the Xbox 360, I think. Xbox One, I would assume, PS4, and PS3, as well as PC. And I'm impressed that uh, it has come out on all 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 platforms at once. That's kind of um, unique and cool. But um, I'm not an RPG player. I never have been. I don't think I ever will be, to be quite honest. It's just not a style of game that I was introduced to at the right age. Uh, I started, first game I played uh, that I remember playing was... uh, in the arcade, a round table used to have pole position, and I used to really like that. Um, I would usually get in demo mode, uh, because my parents were never willing to give me quarters. Uh, so I liked uh, pole position. I played it a few times. And, you know, I finally, fondly remember that game. Uh, and I fondly remember Chuck going to Chuck E. Cheese, and, I don't know, play, playing skee-ball, and... Um, no other games really a significant memory. Um, anyway, uh, I don't think I ever played Centipede. I did play Pac-Man, uh, or maybe it was Mrs. Pac-Man. It was probably Mrs. Pac-Man, uh, or Miss Pac-Man. Uh, and I think Italian Cottage in Chico still has, uh, Miss Pac-Man machine. Uh, but really, uh, my first gaming experience that I can remember anyway uh, was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game and I think that was on maybe Windows 3.1 if I'm not mistaken Um, and then later Kid Picks which is not really a game but kind of eh. and then uh, on an Apple uh, kind of uh, more basic version of the uh, Apple GUI called Kid Desk, which was kind of the same thing. Um, uh, you know, dumbed down, really, so that, you know, so that kids couldn't get into the uh, program files or anything like that and screw up the operating system. Uh, so that was uh, another memory. And uh, my first console was the NES, the original Nintendo. Um, And I played it at my cousin's house for the first time, I think. Uh, Either that or a friend's 
uh, house older brother, uh, my friend's older brother, kind of introduced me to the Nintendo. It, either, I don't remember who did it. Uh, Could have been one of three people, either my cousins, uh, a friend, uh, or a, kind of a uh, resource teacher's son, or um, a friend's older brother. Uh, so it came from one of one of those, uh, but I do remember the, my first uh, platformer and the first game I really played on a console uh, being Super Mario Brothers One, which of course makes sense. And I remember uh, begging my mom for a Nintendo, and of course my mom was all against that. No, no, people waste time on a Nintendo. You'll never grow up. You'll never do anything. Well, fortunately for me. I had a lazy eye and a variety of other side effects, I think, from the chemo, but who knows. Uh, But either way, I had to wear an eye patch as a kid, um, and whenever I cried, it became a huge problem. Uh, And I cried a lot as a kid, as most of us do, I think. But uh, at the time, uh, the doctor, Dr. Keltner, I think, said, well... A Nintendo or something like that would be really helpful for his hand-eye coordination. And that is what got me a Nintendo. A used Nintendo. And by this time, this was just about the time that the Super Nintendo was going to come out, or came out. Uh, I remember an advertisement on TV for the Super Nintendo Super set. Uh, and it was like maybe $120, $150, something like that. I don't remember exactly, but uh, in either case, the first game I got, uh, I didn't remember, you know, what the game I played was. I knew it was, Super, uh, knew it was Mario Brothers, but I didn't know if it was a 1, 2, or 3, all of which had come out by this time. So I was like, well, maybe it was Super Mario Brothers 2. So the first game that I actually owned for the Nintendo was Super Mario Brothers 2. And as anybody will know, uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 is nothing like 1 or 3. And uh, it was originally supposed to be a completely different game, and for one reason or another that I don't remember, uh, it became a Mario game. Uh, and it was it was really different. Really, really different. Uh, and I didn't like it at all. I was like, this crap. This is not the Mario that I remember. And eventually, I think I got Super Mario Brothers 1 at one point. And, you know, then, of course, my hand-eye coordination was so bad that, uh, you know, I think I maybe got to warp to uh, the fourth lev- uh, the fourth world, level 1. And I would continuously die as a result of the evil cloud guy that kept throwing out the evil shells that you can't kill. You can only kill the evil cloud guy. Um, And I think I died pretty consistently uh, on 4-1. And occasionally I'd make it to 4-2, but not very often. Uh, 4-2 I remember as being... Oh no, that's an underground level. It's not a water level. Uh, the water level was 2-2, I think. Uh, 
But anyway, um, you know, I'd get to 4-2 at the most, and I wouldn't be able to get any farther. Um, and maybe when a friend came over, we got to 8-1 or 8-2 if we were lucky and never actually beat the game. Uh, I did beat Super Mario Brothers on an emulator years and years later, but it took like 15 years or something. Uh, but I did beat it on an emulator, <laughs> so it's kind of cheating. But in any case, I got Super Mario Brothers 1 and 3, and of course by this time the Super Nintendo was out, um, and this time by this time I also, well no, I got the Super Nintendo, I got Mario Brothers All-Stars, and Super Mario World, both of which I enjoyed. I sucked at, but I enjoyed. Um, and then came the Sega Genesis and Sonic the Hedgehog. And I was kind of like, well, this Nintendo thing sucks. Man, Sonic the Hedgehog, so much better. Because uh, the, gra the graphics were so much better. The graphics at the time were amazing. Um, and I remember just being amazed by the Sonic the Hedgehog uh, 1, 2, and 3 graphics. They were absolutely amazing at the time. Um, and it also had this feeling of pinball, which uh, even I had played uh, in an arcade. You know, I didn't go get very far, but I always liked pinball. And uh, Sonic was kind of designed and related to pinball, which an ingenious design, I must say. Um, and the Seba uh, end commercial thingy was a great campaign because it had a lot more, felt a lot more energetic and more uh, jazzy than Nintendo ever felt. Um, but Super Nintendo came back in my life, um, and I still had a Super Nintendo. I never got a Genesis. Uh, well, I got a Genesis, but it was like years and years later. Um, but, uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I saw, I think in Toys R Us, Donkey Kong Country, the original one. Uh, not Donkey Kong, but Donkey Kong Country, which was a platformer, um, where Donkey Kong was the good guy. And Captain K. Rule, who was, uh, alligator, or crocodile dude, uh, was the bad guy. And he stole... I can't remember what he stole. A shitload of bananas in the first game, I think. Uh, but in any case, uh, Donkey Kong was really upset about that, apparently. So he went off on this adventure, and he took his friend Diddy Kong with him. And it was a two-player game you could switch off, uh, which was cool. Cooperative sort of thing. And uh, I played it on... A Toys R Us. Eventually, I think my grandparents got me the game. New. Uh, in that time, games were uh, about $60. So I guess the price really hasn't changed all that much, come to think of it. Uh, but it was a brand new game. Uh, played Donkey Kong Country. I got stuck uh, on the second world somewhere around... Minecart Carnage, if I remember correctly. I usually run out of lives at that point and didn't know the uh, barrel cheat. Eventually I figured out the barrel cheat. 
but uh, I had to. It was one of those things where I sucked at platformers. I really sucked at platformers. Uh, so I'd have friends come over and essentially beat the game for me, and I'd watch them, and I'd be like, "Wow, dude, that's amazing." Um, and somewhere around this time, uh, fifth grade or sixth grade, uh, actually fifth grade, uh, during recess, there was a computer in the classroom, uh, a Mac of some sort, and uh, SimCity 2000 was on it. So that got me on my whole um, Maxis kick of SimCity 2000, uh, SimTown, which I hated, actually. Uh, Sim Tower I played later, but never really liked Sim Tower. Never really got into it. Uh, tried Sim Ant one, Sim Ant once, but it never really made sense to me. Uh, then eventually Sim City 3000, 3000 Unlimited, Sim City 4. Uh, I got invited to uh, beta test or alpha test real quickly, uh, SimCity Societies, which even at the time I was like, this game sucks. Uh, I think I was nicer than that when I wrote the feedback to EA, but um, SimCity Societies was horrible, and I still had the box for it for some reason. Um, but then I got uh, SimCity 4, which was pretty good. Uh, kind of a throwback to SimCity 2000. Uh, and then, for some reason, they started over with SimCity instead of calling it SimCity 5. And you know, SimCity has some angle problems. Uh, you can't do the grid thing. And I like doing the grid thing of four uh, tiles by four tiles and making everything a big grid, kind of like the way Phoenix is laid out. Um, but that was... Uh, for the most part, um, my gaming history, um, as far as I remember, I do remember uh, playing the Dreamcast at one point when that came out, and the timing on the Dreamcast was just horrible. Uh, Sega, had they released it later, they would have been fine, but they released it too early, so they weren't fine. Uh, but I remember playing kind of a cool flight simulator on uh, Dreamcast and wanting that. And then, I think it was when the PlayStation came around, um, I found the game Return Fire, uh, that a, a kind of a social uh, trainer type, type person introduced me to. Um, I also was introduced to Warcraft 2, so that got me into RTS, uh, and I was also into simulation, so that kind of defined my gamer style more than the platformers, because I suck at the platformers, but I enjoyed the RTS. Uh, still love Warcraft 2. Uh, when I get to play it, Warcraft 3 was a major departure from the RTS style, so I never liked Warcraft 3. Uh, Warcraft 2 I loved, though. Um, and I don't know if there's a Warcraft 4 or not. Uh, there might be. But, anyway. Um, and then StarCraft. I never really played StarCraft, but StarCraft seems cool, too. I thought StarCraft was gonna be more like, um, I don't know, uh, Star Trek Armada or Frontier Wars, but it really wasn't. Um, so in any case, uh, I, I did become a Blizzard fan, um, and going forward, 
uh, I when I was about twelve, I took a friend or took a trip out to Kansas City, Missouri, um, uh, to meet a great aunt and my second cousins, I think. Um, and that was where I found Mario Kart on the N64. Uh, and a friend had introduced me on the Super Nintendo to Star Fox, and Star Fox 64 was just awesome. Uh, and uh, what was what else did I like on the N64? Smash Brothers. That's what started my huge obsession, which later um, got me in trouble because I didn't pay as much attention to school as I needed to because I was playing Smash Brothers. Uh, Melee, though, not the original. Um, and I'm trying to think, what else did I like on the N64? GoldenEye uh, was huge, of course. Um, and that kind of got me into the first-person shooter, kind of. Uh, then later I played Perfect Dark, but I didn't really go very far with that. I kept getting stuck. You know, I suck at games. I call, refer to myself as the world's worst gamer, because I am. Uh, I suck at pretty much in any genre I play. Um, then somewhere along the line, uh, my mom had had a Mac for the longest time. And, um, this, like, you know, we'd go to the store, Costco or whatever, and see all these cool-looking games, and be like, Oh, they're for PC. Damn. Um, and then eventually my dad, who worked as an accountant and always had uh, a lot of old desktop computers lying around, um, essentially got uh, me a computer and then we had a family computer. Um, and then the computer he got me, I think ran Windows 98. It had a two gigabyte hard drive. Uh, not sure how much RAM, 128 megabytes, maybe. Um, and uh, eventually I upgraded it to a 30 gigabyte hard drive, which seemed tremendous at the time. Huge hard drive, you never fill that up. Um, but that was all with Windows 98. Um, and uh, that was the computer uh, where I started to learn Windows. Very confusing at first, and I whined about it. Now, of course, the Mac operating system confuses me, and I whine about that. So, um, it just depends on what you get used to, I suppose. But I started learning Windows 98 and the whole Windows interface, uh, and I had my friend Kate to help me along and teach me about Windows at the time. Um, and eventually... XP got released, and I started learning XP, and uh, eventually uh, got the ability to right-click in Word to do the spell check, and I, I remember that seeming like a major advancement in the Word interface. Um, and then what else do I remember? Um, oh, my introduction to The Sims was through Kate, uh, and eventually I got The Sims, and I love The Sims. Uh, got all the expansion packs, all eight of them, uh, eventually met Will Wright and said, do you realize how much money you cost me? Because <laughs> um, I got all ex eight expansion packs, and uh, com my computer kept needing upgrading to kind of accommodate all the expansion packs. Eventually, I convinced my dad to uh, buy me, well, with my college money, 
which wasn't very much. Had I known how little college money I actually had, I wouldn't have wouldn't have thought about it. Uh, but with my college money, we've bought a Sony Vio, uh, and I remember it had 512 megabytes of RAM, and it had a Pentium 4 processor, and I got an upgrade upgraded video card with a capture card, which I never really used, and uh, it also had a TV card, uh, so you could hook up a coaxial cable to the back of the uh, computer, which was great. Uh, the computer didn't run the TV real well, but it was great because my, whenever my mom took my TV and my Nintendo away, which was quite frequent, um, you know, I had to keep the computer because it was like, well, I use it for schoolwork, and uh, of course I would secretly watch TV through the computer, um, and that worked for quite a long time. I don't think she ever had any way of really dealing with that, um, which was fun. Uh, but that was, you know, later, I was 16 or 17 around that time, um, and then of course, you know, I got into Kazaa and Kazaa. Light, and uh, I don't think I figured out BitTorrent till probably mid-college, early college, something like that. Um, but in any case, um, I had the first real computer, my first new computer, which was, um, I think I called it the Falcon. Yeah, I called it the Millennium Falcon, and eventually uh, it was tied up with duct tape because we kept trying to upgrade it, and uh, my first roommate and I kept trying to upgrade it and make it better, and it was just, you couldn't really do anything with it at a certain point. And uh, I used student loan money to get uh, my second computer that was my own, which I believed, I believe I called Infinity. Um, and I don't remember the specs on that one. Um, and then, uh, later, um, I got a laptop, which I named Serenity. Don't really, really remember the specs on that one either, but I blew it up after two years. <laughs> um, and, uh, that was the end of my laptop owning days. Uh, from now on forever, I will al always own a desktop. Uh, I have a tablet. Actually, I have two tablets, one of which is broken already. Um, and I may keep with the tablet thing, but I'm a desktop PC gamer. I am. It's just, um, that's the way it is. And I really wish uh, the game industry would kind of keep playing along with me to allow me to be a PC gamer still. Uh, but it seems like PC gamer market is just dying or dead. Um, but in any case... Um, uh, in later high school, I played Rails Across America, which was like Railroad Tycoon, but simpler and better in a long wa lot of ways. And I contacted the lead designer on that game, Rusty Williams, who ran uh, Flying Lab Software at the time. Uh, and I was kind of, you know, I was into game design. I wanted to go in that direction uh, ever since I saw... Uh, Clarissa explains it all, which she had something on her computer which let her design really simple games and make them really quickly without any programming or anything. I was like, oh, I wanted to do that. Uh, you know, to this day, 
I've always wanted to design my own um, Super Mario level, like the 2D uh, Super Mario level sort of thing. I uh, haven't actually done it yet. Um, that's probably one of the things I should figure out how to do one of these days. Uh, just make a simple platformer um, and design a few levels like that. Uh, but in any case, um, yeah, something that I was always interested in, always wanted to do, and uh, that led me to kind of discover uh, and find out about uh, through getting Game Developer Magazine, uh, which I loved, still love, uh, just don't get to read very much, because um, I can't afford the subscription, quite honestly, um, and I haven't done game development thingies since late 2007, when I graduated from uh, UAT with a Bachelor's of Art in Multimedia, with an emphasis in game design, um, cum laude, no less. Um, but yeah, as I moved on, I uh, stayed in contact with Rusty, which later paid off. Uh, never got a job from it, but you know, I kind of have this mentor sort of relationship, and I occasionally check check in with him, see what he's up to. Um, and he used to work at uh, Microsoft, and then, I don't know, Microsoft has kind of gone to shit, uh, to be quite honest, uh, as the years have gone by. Uh, but, yeah, sometime around 17, I played Grand Theft Auto 3, and then at a certain point, I was like, well, I'm going to develop and design my own game. And at the time, I was obsessed absolutely obsessed with Law & Order, uh, particularly the uh, McCoy character. Uh, I can't remember his first name, uh, but played by uh, Sam Watersmith, uh, who, is, who is a wonderful actor. And I watched the show obsessively, and then I tried to make a design document around the Chris Taylor design document, I think, the t that template. And I tried to figure out how to program in HTML and whatever else, like basic or something simpler like that, uh, to make this murder mystery tycoon game. And I, in all the years that I've worked on it, which is probably like 15 years now, uh, I haven't succeeded yet, <laughs> or at least not to the uh, idea that I've been trying to go for, because it was supposed to be kind of a mix of an RPG, a mystery, and a little bit of The Sims in there. Uh, you know, it was a great idea, but I have never really been able to capture it. Uh, one of these days, maybe as a tablet game, but anyway, uh, I went back kind of to uh, getting some new ideas. I had this Planet X idea, which was like civilization plus uh, uh, StarCraft, or what I thought of as StarCraft, uh, you know, RTS in space, basic, basically, plus SimCity, plus a little bit of The Sims, kind of kind of what Spore was supposed to be, but failed at being. And I called it Planet X. Which, again, great design comps concept. 
by the way, that's mine. Creative Commons, non at non commercial, non uh, attribution, uh, restrictive license. I can't think of the license that I use, but I do. So you don't get to steal. I get to sue you if you do that. Anyway, that was my design idea. I wrote a design document on that, which I still have. And that's kind of what I went into UAT with. I knew how to write a design document. And I kind of knew the basic concepts of game design. So I was ready for Game 101, taught by uh, Derek Clark. And uh, Evolution of Electronic Entertainment which was taught by uh, Michael Eilers at the time, and he's since moved on from UAT, but uh, I still stay in touch, because he's a cool he's a cool guy, and uh, just has this look like he's stuck in the 80s, but he's cool still. That's <laughs> uh, funny. But uh, during the classes that I took, or at least before uh, advanced game design or ad game development or whatever class Ken Adams taught, which that was modding. Uh, and we ended up modding Unreal Tournament 2004, I think. But in any case, uh, what we ended up doing was, what I ended up doing was kind of for the first two semesters, getting a firm grasp of the concepts, um, I had met Will Wright for lunch at one point or another, and that was fantastic. Unfortunately, I subsequently screwed up that professional relationship, which I wish I hadn't, but I did. Uh, I was 20-something at the time, or 19-something at the time. Uh, stuff happens. But in any case... I went off to UIT and I felt like I had a good concept of game design. I felt like I was ready. Um, advanced game design, the modding class, I really wasn't ready for. Uh, but I went into anyway. And quickly found that I didn't actually have any game development skills. I could write game design documents, but I couldn't make levels. Uh, the best I could do was some simple sound design, really, and write design documents and some basic stuff. So, uh, my friends kind of saved me on that one, and that was early on, and then later I did a level design class with Eilers that I sort of figured out the Warcraft 3 uh, mod tools. But a friend had to help me a lot to get the scripts and triggers right. Um, but I got the idea, you know, I, I completed a level. Um, and then later on, I went to simulation game design, which was just fun. We worked on a design document for most of the semester. Never got to build it, but it was a cool design, I think. Uh, kind of like, uh, front, not Frontier Wars. There was 
some RTS for the Game Boy Advance that Eilers really liked, and I never figured out what it was. Never had a chance to play it, because I don't have a Game Boy Advance. I just owned the original Game Boy at one point. Uh, with the original Donkey Kong on it. That I'm mad at. Um, but going forward... I went into these simulation design classes, uh, multiple flat, uh, multiple game development issues, games and society, which was a fun class and intriguing in a lot of ways. Uh, most of Derek's, Derek Clark's classes were kind of loose, um, but you did learn a lot. And uh, going forward... I think I kind of reached this point where I realized, okay, I'm good at designing, writing design documents, but I don't actually have any practical skill in game development, and that's kind of a problem. So moving forward, I kind of knew, well, I'm not going to move towards game development. I'm going to finish this degree and see what happens. And I started trying to market myself towards Asus Studios in, at Microsoft, which eventually closed, of course, uh, right about the time that they offered me a level design job. Whether that would have worked out for me or not, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I got distracted by this whole internet radio thing and podcasting thing, and uh, that's really what started me down the path that I am on today. But I think I want to reboot at this point, and I think I want to do that based on what, you know, based on uh, computer history, really, and video game design history. Uh, I am rereading the ultimate history of video games, and a uh, very cool, very cool book. Uh, a book which I didn't really get a chance to appreciate when I was in the evolution of electronic games class, just because you know you're studying for tests more than reading the book. Um, and now I'm reading the book because I'm reading the book. Um, and I got some important connections uh, in the time between uh, when I finished college, or when I was kind of a sophomore in college, and uh, you know, a senior in college, and then actually graduated, um, I met some important people. Of course, I screwed up relationships with quite a few few of them, unfortunately. I was young at the time. That's my defense mechanism. So I was young at the time. Because uh, obviously, it was like seven, eight years ago. But uh, in any case, that's what I did, and, uh, you know, tried to pander to Microsoft as much as I could, and, of course, uh, they did eventually offer me a job, and I said, uh, sure, you know, hell yeah, uh, but that was about the time they closed ASUS, so I, you know, luck didn't turn my way in that regard, or maybe it saved me, because uh, I would have failed, mis who knows, who knows, but in any case, uh, I ended up working at Walmart for nine months and living in Seattle for a while and then moving back here and then moving back to Seattle to try airline dispatch and then hitchhiking across the country when I realized that airline dispatch wasn't going to work out and then ended up in Chico and I've been in Chico ever since. But again, I want to reboot this. Uh, I want to use what I've what I'm kind of learning in re-examining video game and uh, computer history, really, 
uh, kind of looking at Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs. By the way, Steve Jobs was an asshole. I quit the hero worship. Stop it right now. Wozniak was the awesome guy that had all the skills. Uh, Steve Jobs was the idea guy, and realizing that I'm an idea guy myself, um, I don't want to completely discredit that, but he took all the money that Wozniak actually earned for him and promptly stole it and gave himself credit for it. Uh, but still, uh, they started Apple Computer, which of course is obviously a very big company now uh, with the iPhone, the iPad, uh, iOS, um, iOS operating system that runs the iPad and the iPhone and the iPod. Um, and then of course the um, uh, Mac operating system for their computers, which, you know, is based on Unix, but they shined it up and pretended pretend that it's their own thing. Um, but that's another matter. Um, but, you know, they developed the Apple II, which was a huge computer. Um, way bigger than any IBM computer uh, between the late 70s and I'd say uh, the early 90s. Uh, it was the Apple II and later the Apple IIe was the computer to have. Um, right on Bungling Bay, which was the first uh, game that Will Wright designed, was on the Apple II. Uh, he coded that on the Apple II. Uh, in C++, I think, or maybe it was basic, I don't remember. But in any case, uh, you know, that's that's what started a lot of people out, was programming on the Apple II. Um, so, you know, Wozniak designed that. He made that the infrastructure for that work. So, uh, Steve Wozniak, uh, despite the fact that he crashed a Bonanza, which I... Ugh, I don't understand. I'm glad he's surprised, but a crash of Bonanza uh, I, disturbs me. But in any case, um, I, I think Steve Wozniak is uh, one of my greater heroes in uh, the computer industry and video game industry. Uh, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates are pretty much on the same level for me uh, because I don't really respect either of them. Because uh, they're mainly business people, and I just I don't like business people. Um, Ralph Bear was an interesting character. Um, he designed kind of the Magnavox Odyssey, and you know uh, that was really the first console system, uh, and kind of had had a precursor to Pong, which um, Nolan Bushnell uh, later uh, adapted with his uh, team. Uh, that founded Atari uh, in 72, I believe. Um, and there was this big lawsuit which they eventually settled uh, between Ralph Bear and uh, Nolan Bushnell. Um, but uh, Nolan Bushnell, who I know on Facebook, disclaimer, uh, I only talked to him really once, um, but it was still, it's like, ah, oh, I talked to Nolan Bushnell. That's, okay. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, but uh, it, very interesting character. Very, very interesting. I think he ran Atari for... Or basically ran Atari for, I don't know, six years? Four years? Six years? Something like that. And, of course, developed the idea for Chuck E. Cheese, um, which he later sold off, I think. Um, but I think he had good instincts. Uh, he led Atari through the development of the arcade uh, game platform, you know, from Pong to... Uh, uh, 
later games like Breakout and uh, Super Break or Breakout was actually what what started Waz and uh, Jobs on their path. Um, and then there was a couple other games that um, really remarkable games that I can't currently remember that came from Atari. But Atari, awesome country, a company in its heyday. Um, before uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, it's not Ralph Czar, but somebody's are. Um, I'll look it up on my Facebook because I made fun of him the other day. I'm like, he's such a nice character. Um, Razor, that was who took over um, when uh, when Atari was sold to Warner. Uh, that's who took over. And um, as we've learned from Maxis. Uh, well, first from Atari, and then later from Maxis. Um, selling your game, your game company to uh, selling your game company is just a bad idea. It kills your game company in the long run. Uh, sometimes it's financially necessary, which is unfortunate, but ultimately it kills your game company. Uh, that's what I've come to find out uh, through examining the game industry. Um, and I'm, I'm a pretty good, I mean, I, I've kind of lost touch with it, uh, over the last several years, but I still, you know, I kind of keep track of the game industry and the ups and downs. Uh, but in any case, uh, I'm, you know, I've kind of been looking at it, and, you know, I want to kind of reboot and, uh, go back, really, to the beginning, where the computer industry started, kind of, uh, or the game industry started, rather, uh, you know, in a in a garage, in a very simple environment, two people, maybe three people, uh, you know, somebody that can program, somebody that can kind of design and change the game rules, and somebody that can do art, you know, a three-person team, maybe, uh, preferably a two-person team, really, as you go back to the uh, days of Atari, you had, uh, you know, a programmer, and you had, uh, um, uh, engineer, essentially, that would engineer the electronics of the arcade system, uh, basically, arcade game, basically, um, and the programmer would kind of, you know, program the games, and maybe there'd be some simple programmer art, that sort of thing, um, and that was the early arcade game history. Um, and they they had it right, you know. They figured it out. The arcade uh, the arcade industry crashed in '82 or '83. I think it was '83. Um, but they had it figured out. They progressed it pretty well, and it developed um, in a very interesting and progressive way. And it became a big part of popular culture uh, in the late in the well in the mid '70s to late '70s to early '80s. It was huge. Uh, absolutely huge, and uh, uh, Atari also developed the again uh, based on when well, they were still a relatively small company at the time they did it. Uh, they also introduced the VCS, uh, which I forget video console system, video computer system, maybe is what it stands for, um, but it's better known as the Atari 2600, which is, you know, the first gaming console, really, um, unless you count the Magnavox Odyssey, which, uh, eh, I don't know, um, it just depends on whose side you are, you're on, um, Ralph Bear, Nolan Bushnell, I tend to side with 
Nolan Bushnell, but uh, personal bias on that one. Um, but I mean, Ralph Bear did did do important things that kind of started the whole ball rolling on the video game industry. Certainly, uh, I will definitely give him credit for that. Uh, but in any case, uh, I want to kind of go back to the simple days, uh, the simple approach of programmer. Uh, plus maybe designer slash artist. Um, I can't do art, unfortunately, 2D or 3D. Um, I need to learn Unity, the new Unity game engine, but I, you know, I've taken one C++ class, and I can take more, uh, via my college, my old college, my old school, uh, for free, if I want to. And I may just do that, focus on that for, I don't know, uh, 15 weeks or however long those classes last. I forget how long. But in any case, focus on that. Um, try and learn more about C++ and uh, how that works and how that interfaces with maybe the Unity game engine uh, because it seems like game engine-wise, Unity is the best way to go these days. Um, and then, you know, maybe a release, a simple arcade-like game, maybe something a little more advanced, a strategy game or, or something a little bit more advanced than an arcade shooter or whatever, because I can't really play arcade shooters or arcade-based games, so I, I mean, even though I could probably develop one, it wouldn't be, for me personally, something that I would be very interested in, so I might, I might go for an RPG, because that's relatively simple. Uh, to develop and uh, just simple interactions uh, you know you press one button and it does this interaction and it does damage and whatever um, you know or a text-based venture that's really simple too um, uh, you know but but it's got to be something that somebody would want to download on a tablet you know in the Apple or in the App Store uh, or the Android store, or the Windows store, uh, as bad as the Windows store is. Um, I have a tablet that one runs Windows 8, so I have to use the Windows store from time to time. Uh, but the versatile thing about a Windows 8 tablet is, of course, you can treat it like a full computer, uh, which is nice. So, anyway, uh, that's kind of where I want to go with this, is this idea of... Uh, well, let's take independent games and let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the basics because, for me anyway, uh, the AAA titles, most of the AAA titles that I look at now nowadays, Halo whatever, uh, you know, Call of Duty whatever, uh, Battlefield whatever, um... Uh, Smash Brothers I like, but I'm never going to buy a Nintendo console again. I'm sorry, Nintendo, you lost me after the GameCube. You just did. I initially bought a Wii, and then I sold it for uh, an Xbox 360, and I sold the Xbox 360 for a PS3 because it doesn't charge me to play online. Uh, PS4 does, but I don't have flat-screen TV, so I don't need to worry about that. Um, and I only have, I might add, I only have one game for the PS3, uh, and I don't use it that often. It's more a glorified uh, Netflix player than anything else, and Blu-ray player, eventually. Uh, cheapest Blu-ray player around, really. Uh, but in any case, um, you know, I'm, I'm a PC gamer, and I'll always be a PC gamer, and I really hope that the PC gaming market doesn't die. And I think one of the ways to preserve that, and also embrace the tablet and smartphone uh, platform, really, uh, and Facebook game platform, for that matter, 
is to use Unity or Flash, uh, maybe. Um, I haven't used Flash in a while. Flash gets kind of complicated. Action script and whatever. Uh, but use a tool like that to design something for the tablet uh, that, uh, that is also going to work uh, on a PC um, or a Mac. Um, and this is something just universal. Um, and I think through Unity, you might be able to port fairly easily. I don't know. But uh, in any case, um, that's really what I want to do. That's really what I want to slowly start focusing on. Um, because my, my degree is literally sitting on the top shelf collecting dust. And I love examining computer history and video game history. And I think I'm going to keep doing it. Um, if I had the chance to interview... Uh, you know, Nor Nolan Bushnell, um, uh, I don't think Ralph Bear is alive anymore, unfortunately. Um, Ray Zar, if he's still alive, that might be kind of interesting, but I'm not a big fan. Uh, Wozniak, certainly I would love to meet Steve Wozniak. Um, Bill Gates, nah, don't care. Uh, I've had the chance to meet Ed Freeze and talk to him a little bit, and that was cool. Uh, I've met a couple people that used to work at Asus, um, and that was kind of cool. Uh, I didn't generally have a very good impression of Asus, as, but then they were getting to their latter days, and the bigger folks at Microsoft, the, uh, uh, the budget people, were kind of screwing with them, so I think that was probably a large part. Um, but in any case, um, I don't know. I want to reboot. I want to restart. I want to see if I can find people uh, that are A, interested in programming and interested in the idea of game development and B, have time, you know, that are that realize it's like, okay, you know, uh, especially in a place like Chico, um, the mainstream job market is just not all that appealing. And, you know, maybe you can make money from independent game development, maybe you can't. Um, you know, you could certainly use Kickstarter to fund it. Um, Peter... Uh, gosh, I can't remember his name. Um, Peter Malavu, I want to say, um, is doing that right now with uh, the game Goddess, which looks really cool. If I had 20 bucks, I'd download the app. Uh, but I don't have 20 bucks, so don't have goddess yet but i certainly will uh support that and of course platforms like steam uh the google uh the app app store uh the apple app store not so much but the um the android store uh there's a little bit more freedom there i get the feeling um and the uh, apple store i mean eventually if you kind of prove yourself i think you can sell yourself in the app uh apple store but certainly selling yourself on on steam uh, wouldn't be that difficult, I don't think. Uh, and selling your game just by the web, uh, obviously that's, you know, set up a PayPal button and, you know, go through some security measures and there you go. Um, uh, but then also setting up uh, a game through, uh, I don't know, something like the uh, Xbox Store, uh, if you can port it to Xbox, uh, the PlayStation Store, if you can port it there. Um, you know, I don't know how how much work you would have to do to make a game that would be uh, playable on all platforms. I think that would be kind of a large amount of work. Uh, my inclination would be to design a game that works on uh, tablets, 
for the most part, tablets and smartphones, uh, because that seems to be where the industry is going, whether we like to admit it or not. Uh, you know, there's there's always this thing of, oh, AAA titles, you know, and it's going to be consoles, it's not going to be a PC game, it's not going to be played on tablets. It's like, yeah, most games, uh, most games and gamers um, uh, are, are women at this point. Um, and the age of the average gamer, I think, is starting to creep up there to maybe 35 four or thirty-five. Uh, it used to be twenty-eight or twenty-nine, um, but I'm thinking it's starting to creep up there, even though like people like me, uh, you know, I've got aging gamer syndrome. I'd still rather play 2D games than 3D games. But um, the cool thing about uh, tablets and uh, and smartphones is that gives you a very uh, good reason as an independent developer, or as a even as a AAA uh, developer, to go back to the 2D environment, and honestly, I think that's where we had the most innovation and the best games was in the 2D and you know, kind of like the isometric uh, Civilization 3, SimCity, 2000, Sims. Uh, the original Sims, uh, Sims 2 to some extent, though that was more 3D. Um, I think that that was where we had the the most potential, and I think that's where, you know, if if we if if as a developer, especially me not being an artist, if if I can be able to capture somebody's attention and work on a game that's less about visuals and more about gameplay then I can get somewhere. Um, because I think, I think for me, um, one, the games that are coming out these days, aside from Grand Theft Auto V, I just really don't care about. I just, uh, Grand Theft Auto V and Smash Brothers and the current Mario Kart really are the three games that I'm interested in. Interested in. Everything else, I just don't care. Um, you know, on the PC side, Civ Five, eventually Civ Six. One would hope, uh, and one would hope a, another iteration of uh, the Sim SimCity and SimCity or Sims Four has been out for a while. I'm just not real. I don't care. I'm just like, eh. I prefer to stick with Sims Two. Thanks. Um, that was kind of where, to me, the Sims right reached its full potential, and really, there's not much else you can do with the game de- uh, gameplay and the game design after that. I don't think uh, it's kind of been it's reached its peak. I think uh, same with SimCity. Uh, you know, if you go back to the original SimCity 2000 or even the SimCity 4 design. Uh, which the with the whole demand cap relief thing, and you know, in order to be able to bo- build certain certain ta- certain things, you have to have satisfied this this sort of goal or requirement, um, which you don't necessarily tell the player explicitly. You just kind of let them do sandbox mode, and maybe eventually they'll figure it out. Maybe they won't. Um, uh, but I think if we if we go back to the if we if we focus on gameplay, especially as independent developers, if we focus on gameplay versus visuals, we will get somewhere. Um, but visuals and games are only playable for, I don't know, four to six hours. Um, 
I'm sorry, but the like I don't even want a PS4. I don't even want an Xbox One. Not even I'm not even remotely interested. And I'm certainly not going to buy a Wii U because I, I'm just Nintendo's just to me going down the drain and real quickly. Um, you know my my I have a, a tablet. Um, I don't like touchscreen technology at all. It makes me want to throw things across the room. But I have a tablet. Um, I don't have a smartphone, but I have a tablet and I have a desktop. Um, and I would imagine that most gamers these days, uh, you know, if they're serious gamers, if they're hardcore gamers, uh, they're going to have probably an Xbox One or a PS4, a flat screen TV, a tablet, and maybe a desktop and a laptop. Uh, so they're going to be covered on all platforms. Um, but you know the 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 gamer that I that I'm uh, that I would like to appeal to, um, you know they're probably going to have a tablet, they might have a smartphone, um, and they might have a laptop, and it's not going to have all that much power, uh, you know the tablet or the laptop or or the uh, desktop if they still have a desktop, uh, it's not going to have all that much power. So you need to be able to design to design. Uh, 2D, somewhat 3D, 3D games with the isometric view, uh, kind of Warcraft 2 style, uh, Civilization 3 style, that sort of thing. Um, that's more about gameplay than it is about visuals. Because to me, the emphasis on visuals takes away from gameplay. You spend all your time, resources, money on your game artists, and then your gameplay just turns to shit. Um, that's just my opinion, um, and I. But I think, on a basic level, I want to go back to the simple days of working out of a garage or a small team environment, and let's go back to basics and start over again. Uh, so, uh, in that vein, uh, I, I do have a lot of design ideas that I would like to see happen. I, as I mentioned before, I'm not an artist. I can. I've taken C++ 1, so I understand the basics of programming now. I still get very confused when we start talking about object-oriented stuff, but I've also done level design and that sort of thing. So, um, if you're interested in working with me independently as in any capacity, uh, let me know via email, nicnacjak at gmail.com. That's November Indio Charlie, November Alpha Charlie, Juliet Alpha Kilo at gmail.com. And uh, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, there's also uh, uh, the Facebook link, uh, facebook.com slash Nicholas Jackson, I believe, will take you to the Facebook page. Uh, and you can like that and interact with me through that. Or Twitter, uh, which also works very well. Twitter.com slash knickknackjack. Again, November Indio Charlie, November Alpha Charlie, Juliet Alpha Kilo at gmail.com. N-I-C-N-A-C-J-A-K at gmail.com. And oh, Twitter.com slash N-I-C-N-A-C-J-A-K. I got that confused. I'm sorry. Uh, right. Till next time, stay safe, stay sane. Happy railroading, happy landings, and I'll add, happy gaming and game development.